Well, good morning, church family. It has been quite a week, in many ways, an unprecedented week. If you've been keeping up with the news, I'm sure you've read a lot of things or seen many things that could have caused you great concern and may have found it to be a bit overwhelming. But I came across an article yesterday about a brother and sister in Minnesota, Brandon and his sister Cameron. And Brandon was a little nervous about all that was taking place in the world related to the coronavirus. The mother of Brandon and Cameron was quoted in this article by saying, while the world is stocking up on toilet paper and mayonnaise, jars of pickles and bottled water, that her son was beginning to really worry about what all was taking place. That's when his sister thought that the Word of God would be helpful. And she had memorized verses at her church. It's the Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church in Minneapolis. And she took her brother by his hands, stood right in front of him, and word by word led him through a verse of Scripture. In fact, he, he, he repeated it word by word after her. Uh, you can see the video of them doing this online. But here's the verse that she gave to him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And the mother said that, that even at six years old, uh, the, the daughter realized that this was the only way that, uh, that her brother would make it through this time, and that is to have faith in the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series in Hebrews chapter 11. The theme of the chapter is faith, and it's a chapter that provides both a, a definition of faith as well as many examples of what uh, faith looks like. It's sometimes referred to as the hall of faith. I know that considering the topic of faith is fitting really at any point in life, but it, it, it seems that today with what all is going on around us, that uh, faith seems to be exactly what we need right now. When we look and see uh, around the, the world today and even within our own community, there's a lot of fear, a fear that has come out of confusion, a fear that uh, is, is there because of the unknown, a fear because of a, of a sickness that that even medical professionals don't know a whole lot about. So as Christians, what is our response to fear? As we look to Hebrews 11, I think we'll see that our response is faith, and specifically a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is here, that He is with us, and that He will not ever leave us or forsake us. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it says, Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And yet we know that our faith is, is focused on an object. As I said earlier, we, we, we have a faith in Christ, and so it's not our own courage or our own strength that, that's based on our own ability. It's Christ at work in us and through us. So what does Christ say about fear? In John chapter 14, our Lord says these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So today, what we need is truth. Truth from God's Word. We need the promises that are there to know that He is with us. And if you would, let's take some time today and let's try to put the worries of this world to the side and let's allow Hebrews chapter 11 to minister to us. May this passage bring us encouragement. May it give us strength. May it help us to have a vibrant faith 
even in the face of fear, may it speak to us and guide us. As we've seen in recent weeks, there are two verses in Hebrews chapter 11 that really provide a definition of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And then over in verse 6, it says this, Now faith, excuse me, now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And we've, we've looked at these two verses over the last couple of Sundays, and, and we've said that there is a definition that brings both of them together. And this is the definition. Faith is believing that something is true and then committing our lives to it. So as we continue today in our series in Hebrews chapter 11, we come to verse 8. And it's a uh, rather lengthy section uh, about Abraham. And you'll notice that, uh, that he's given uh, more verses than any of the other heroes of the faith. And uh, we won't look at all of them, but we will look at most of them, uh, beginning in verse 8. Let's look at it together. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. What we're going to see here this morning in the life of Abraham is the faith of a sojourner. Abraham being one of the greatest examples of faith in all of the Bible. His life is recorded in the book of Genesis, uh, chapters 12 to 25. And this verse here in Hebrews 11 is pointing back to that time when Abraham first received a call from God in Hebrew, excuse me, in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was called to leave his homeland, uh, the city of Ur, which was located on the Euphrates River in what is today uh, the modern country of Iraq. Ur was already an ancient city. Even in Abraham's time, it was very developed. It had a, a, a system of, of writing, a system of arithmetic. Uh, uh, arithmetic. It had um, uh, educational facilities and even extensive commerce. But many times when people think of the city of Ur, they think of the ziggurat. It's a, a step pyramid, a really a three-tiered pyramid that uh, was built for the, for the moon god. And archaeological efforts have, uh, have taken place, and there have been restoration efforts as well. So there are still some ruins that can be seen. Sadly, uh, the ruins show that there was even uh, not only pagan worship, but even human sacrifice that took place at the ziggurat. And so we, we look to these things and we're reminded that this is the land that Abraham was from. This is the, the life that he was called out of. And so there in the city of Ur, as advanced as it was, was nevertheless in the bonds of a very dark form of paganism. Abraham came out of a city of idolatry, and out of a family of idolaters. But God's call for Abraham included a call for him not only to leave that land, but to, but to travel and to go to another place, a, a land of promise that God would lead him to. In fact, as we uh, follow through the, uh, the life of, of Abraham, we learn that God makes a very special promise to Abraham, that he would be the father of this nation, 
the Jewish nation, that this would be a special group of people that God would bless. And in fact, he would even bless those who blessed them. It was a great promise that uh, was given to Abraham and to his descendants. I want us to notice, not only was Abraham called, but notice his obedience. It says there in verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, obeyed and set out. And it says, he went out even though he did not know where he was going. This is a picture of faith. Hearing the call, not knowing all of the details, but trusting the voice of God that was given to him. And he was able to then move out in obedience. In fact, one has said that Abraham's obedience can be seen as outward evidence of his inward faith. And that really reminds me of the definition that we've been looking at over the last few Sundays. That faith has two components, a, a trust component, a belief component but also an obedience component. To be able to demonstrate that one really believes is shown in the way in which one lives. And of course, Abraham is an example of this. There's a word here for us this morning. So maybe we should stop and consider, to consider our own faith, to think about in what areas are we hearing God's voice, His call? How are we hearing His word and obeying it? Are we obeying God's word? Are we following God's call? You see, by faith, Abraham, it says, when he was called, he obeyed. Let's keep reading. Let's look next at verse 9. It says, by faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. So it's interesting that as we as we continue to follow the life of Abraham, we see that he leaves his country, he goes to the land of promise, and yet he's still living like a foreigner. He was in this new homeland, but he didn't feel like he was at home. You see, Abraham's faith in God gave him beliefs that were different, different than the pagan beliefs that were around him, even of those that were in this new land. His standards of morality were rooted in the character of God. And yet those around him were, were rooting their standards in, in the, the gods of their own making. that was fulfilling their own desires. His worldview, we could say, collided with the worldview around him. Does that sound familiar? Can we ourselves relate to the idea of, of holding to a biblical worldview that's not held by, by those that are around us? Like Abraham, we are called. We're called to leave our, our old lives behind. We're called to leave behind the, the, the systems of this world and enter into a whole new way of life, a new way of thinking, new priorities, new standards, new attitudes. In fact, you might even think about it as being a, a whole new worldview. So what is it that informs your worldview? Abraham had a change. Through faith and by obedience, his worldview was subject to the teaching of God. And for us today, it's the same thing. We, we have to engage the questions of the culture around us. We have to look at them. We have to, to be able to engage in the, in the ideas and the debates of today. And, and I'll tell you, as we look at them, we also realize that we have a collision of worldviews. Just think, what is your worldview on things such as marriage and family? or ethics and morality, 
maybe even sexuality and, and, and gender, all of these topics that are, that are bubbling up in the, in the discussions of today, they form a worldview, and the Word of God speaks to each of them. And so we ourselves are sojourners, walking by faith in the Lord and holding on to His Word as authoritative, knowing that we will have a worldview that collides with what is around us. As we think about that, and we see that in the life of Abraham, we know that it's a lesson for us as well. For us to have a vibrant faith, it's, it's always going to be matched with a sense of disconnect with the world that is around us. That's the life of the sojourner, the one who is really not at home, at least not yet. Let's look at the next verse, verse 10. It says, For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So here we see a faith that is somehow given a picture of something that has not yet been seen. Abraham knows that God is preparing something, something beyond uh, what he has experienced here on earth. And he references this as a, as a city that has foundations. And so it's as if, it's as if he looked around and, and thought what he sees around him in this world really doesn't have the solid foundation. But this verse talks about a city. And if you notice, who is it that designs the city? Who is it that builds the city? This verse, verse 10, says that it is God who does this. And Abraham had a longing to be there. He knew that that is what God was preparing when his time on this earth was over. Just think about it. He would no longer be a sojourner. No more would there be alienation. No more would there be a collision of worldviews. In this city, Abraham would see God. And in this city, he would dwell with others who had faith in the Lord as well. But for now, God calls us to a life of a pilgrimage when we follow him. Yes, called out of our homeland and, and, and given a new identity that is now connected to another place. In fact, even though we, we are thinking about the Old Testament heroes, we, we see that this is a concept that, that even continues in the New Testament. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He also writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. So as we see the life of Abraham, the sojourner, we are reminded that he has modeled that life of faith for us. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And let's jump down to verse, uh, verse 13. And we're going to see here a, a reference not only uh, to Abraham, but also to Sarah and uh, their son Isaac, the son of promise. It says in verse 13, These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But they now desire 
a better place, a heavenly one. Let's stop right there. And we're going to see that these verses connect very closely to the verses that we read earlier, verses 8 through 10. You see the theme of a, of, a, of a sojourner still being in place. You see the longing of a, of a, of a better place. And in fact, it's described as a, as a heavenly homeland. But I want us to see our second point this morning is this. And that is that, that Abraham had the faith of a finisher. If you look again at verse 13, it, begin, it begins by saying, These all died in faith. Now that's quite a statement. It's one thing to start well, but it's another thing altogether to finish well. When we say that someone has faith all the way to the end, that they died in faith, just think about what we're saying. We're saying that they were living by faith all the way to the final breath. Why could they do this? Because they looked for what was unseen. They were focused on a heavenly city. And I believe that this eternal perspective of faith gave them strength to obey right here on earth. Even though they were thinking about what God was preparing, they were still able to stay focused upon obeying in the here and now. Albert Brumley wrote a song, really it's probably a hymn, called This World is Not My Home. Let me share just a couple of the, the verses with you. It says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. For these described in Hebrews chapter 11, this longing, this longing for the Lord, this longing to be with him, to be in the place that he had created. It gave them the faith to persevere. And maybe for us today, that's a reminder that we need to know that, that we are passing through, that God has prepared and, and he is working on something that we will enjoy for all eternity. But for now, we're called to a life of faith, the life of a sojourner who is investing here and investing in others, encouraging those around us to also put their hope and their trust in the Lord. What's the result of this kind of faith? We didn't read the end of verse 16, but I'd like for us to look at it now. It says, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared them. What a powerful, powerful verse. This is in many ways summarizing what we have already seen. That God called Abraham, called him to leave his homeland, called him to begin a, a, a new people, gave him a promise to bless him. In each step of the way, God, God noted that Abraham was obeying. Not in a perfect way. We can go back through in Genesis and find that there were times where Abraham and his wife Sarah, they, they stumbled, they, they had moments of disbelief and crisis. But over the long haul, they believed and God blessed them. God used them. And now here we have in Hebrews chapter 11 a statement that God is not ashamed to be called their God. In fact, as, as we read in other parts of Scripture after Abraham's life, we could look to Exodus chapter 3, and God is speaking to Moses, 
And he even, he even gives his own identity by saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And it's interesting, he uses the present tense, I am the God of Abraham. But he also uses those names, recognizable names, so that Moses would know which God this is. I just think it's amazing that God is saying, I am not ashamed to be called their God. Do you think that's there for us? Do you think that's there for us, the, 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 the sojourners of faith today, to be able to look and see that, that God wants to, to claim us as his own? That if we trust and obey him, that we can humbly insert our own names. I am the God of, and put in your name. Just as he was the God of Abraham, he is your God as well, if you're following him in faith. Well, as we wrap up this morning, I want to close by telling you a story, one that I heard many years ago, maybe one that, that you heard at one point about a pioneer missionary by the name of Henry Morrison. He uh, served in Africa for four decades with his wife. And in the early 1900s, they were traveling back from Africa uh, to the United States. They had uh, dealt with uh, some sickness, and their mission board felt like it would be appropriate for them to come back. Uh, they, could, they could teach. They could equip other, others to go to the mission field. And so they were taking a, uh, a boat back from Africa, a large ship uh, from Africa, and they were coming into the port in New York City. And uh, as, they were, as they were getting closer to land, uh, they, they saw a huge crowd on the, on, the, on, the, on the shore. There were bands that were playing. There were balloons that were filling uh, the, the air. Flags were, were fluttering, and the people were cheering, and banners said, Welcome home. And Henry and his wife leaned over the rail when they could, when they could see all of that, and they, they, they thought for a minute that it might be for them. But then they, they were uh, reminded that there was someone else on board that all of this fanfare was for, and that was for President Teddy Roosevelt. He had also been in Africa on a three-week three -week safari trip, and so he was coming back, and uh, there was a lot of fanfare for this big game hunter as he was coming back in. But Henry Morrison took his wife's hand, and as they walked to uh, uh, off the gangplank of the, uh, of the uh, ship, they noticed that there wasn't anyone there to greet them, not a single person. And the contrast between the, the greeting for the president and the fact that they didn't have a greeting uh, caused Henry to become quite depressed. And he began thinking to himself, all those years, all those people we served, all those souls we, 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 we sought to care for, all that work. And in the, 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 the stillness of his heart, he said, Lord, this is wrong. The president comes back from a short hunting trip and everyone throws a party. We've spent 40 years in missionary service and no one seems to care. But in the quietness of that moment, Henry seemed to hear a small voice say to him, but my son, you are not home yet. Imagine, what would that final homecoming look like for the Morrisons? Would there be Africans there in heaven waiting to greet them, to encourage them? Do you think the celebration there would have, would have exceeded anything that uh, could have taken place on this earth? Well, let me just close by saying this. Brothers and sisters, we are not home yet. We're not home. 
There will be a homecoming someday, and that homecoming is being planned. But between now and then, let's live by faith. Even as we long for the heavenly city, may we be like Abraham and have a faith that obeys, obeys God's word, and obeys God's call on our lives, and to know that he has placed us here for such a time as this. Let's pray together as we ask God to apply his word to our lives today. Would, would you uh, take a moment, let's bow, and let's go to him in prayer. Our great God and heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of Hebrews 11, that you have preserved for us, that you have given to us today. And Lord, we believe that, that on this day, we need a word from you about faith. And we thank you for the example of Abraham. And Lord, I pray that, that we can find encouragement as, as sojourners ourselves in a land that's really not our home and longing for that city, the place where you are that you are preparing for us. But Lord, help us to be like these who are faithful and help us to finish strong. Help us to, to give you our all and to, and to pursue a vibrant faith each and every day. Lord, especially in light of what we see taking place in the world around us, we pray that fear would not overcome. We pray that it would not hold us back but that we would see this as a gospel opportunity to be a light in a dark world. Help us to encourage those around us. Help us to point people to Christ. Help us to serve those in need. And we pray, Lord, that it would do nothing but bring honor and glory to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.